of God. He's got such a unique ministry, and um, I really do. I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. I really do, Brother Nelson. And so would you come and preach to me tonight? And uh, why don't we all say that together? As pastor asks us normally to, Brother Nelson, preach to me. Can you say that? Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> you guys can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to be a minute. So y'all can be seated as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's good to be in church on a Tuesday night. <sighs> but uh, kind of kind of know what it feels like to be a car salesman right about now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, they uh, they have a tendency to do a bait and switch. And uh, I feel like tonight some folks got bait and switched tonight, expecting pastor to be here, and now you got me. Hallelujah. What a bad bad joke that turned out to be. <laughs> but I appreciate Bishop's confidence in me to, to ask me to take care of service for him tonight. And my prayer is that I'm a blessing. A blessing to the true church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and give you my title tonight because I want to kind of lay a little groundwork with it as I'm talking about it before I get to my scripture. But my title tonight is The Perception of Correction. The Perception of Correction. And unfortunately, we live in a society today that does not want to be told what to do. People feel like they can behave and think however they want to. And you'll just have to deal with the consequences however they fall out for you. They don't take thought of anybody else. It's just all about them and what they want. And, and then if you try to perhaps throw a little corrective guidance in there, first thing you know, you got a fight on your hands. I can remember a time talking about this correction Kind of give you a story. When I was a boy, we lived in Wellington, Kansas, and my dad had a drive-in restaurant. It was right off of the highway. And <clears throat> it had two, well, it had an entrance and then an exit, so you could drive up, go into the drive-in, and then you'd leave another way. But it was up off of the highway. I'd say the, the drive was steep. I'd say it was a good six, eight feet. Well, one day, my brother and I decided we were going to ride our bikes before everything opened up there on the parking lot of the drive-in restaurant. We kind of gravitated over to the exit of the drive-in restaurant. And that little steep decline sure looked fun. And so we commenced to riding our bikes down that deep incline, whipping around, coming back up. Man, we was having a good time. About that time, one of the speakers crackled, and it was my dad on there saying, you boys, 
Get away from that road. Quit riding your bikes on that exit. I mean, we're having fun. So my brother and I, we kept riding. We was having fun. Next thing you know, it wasn't the crackle of the speaker from the drive-in restaurant. It was a real McCoy coming across the parking lot. And he said, boys, I said to quit riding your bikes. Now get to the house. Brother Hilton, I didn't even really realize the highway until I got the belt. I was just having fun. But you see, my dad, he knew boys will be boys, and pretty soon it's not enough just to ride on that little exit. We'd have to maybe peel on out on that highway a little bit, you know. He seen what was happening. He knew what was going on, so... He had to apply the belt of correction to help us to see clearly that day. I've heard it said this way. When you give a child a spanking, you're putting these brains back to where they belong. And I believe that tonight. Proverbs 22 and 15, this isn't my scripture, but it says foolishness or silliness and folly is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. We live in, talking about the society that we live in, I can remember as a boy, even up into high school, pretty much everybody I knew got whoopings. That was common. It was just what you got whooped with was different. <laughs> But as time went on, society was like Dr. Spock wrote a book about how to raise kids, and the guy didn't even have any kids himself, talking about how that you can't punish your children. But I'm here to tell you tonight that correction is needed in every one of our lives. If we're going to be productive, if we're going to be successful, we've got to be corrected. And tonight... My thought here tonight has to deal with the correction of the direction of salvation. You see, there's a lot of different quote-unquote churches out there today. You can drive around in the neighborhoods and you can see many, many different churches preaching many different things. But I'm here to tell you tonight, by the help of the Holy Ghost, I hope to help bring a point across about the perception of correction. The definition of perception is this, a result of perceiving or observation, also a mental image. The definition to perceive is to attain awareness or understanding of, or to regard as being such, talking about perception. When we perceive something, we're deciding, making a decision about what we're seeing, is basically what it's saying. 
And then the definition of correction is the action or an instance of correcting, such as a rebuke or punishment, a bringing into conformity with a standard. Correction. Setting things right, getting things back on track. Just like the belt did for me that day. <laughs> Whew. I guarantee you, I knew where the highway was from that day forward. And when I rode my bike, I didn't ride it close to that exit anymore. I guarantee you that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But sadly, like I said before, in the society that we're living in, people have gotten away from wanting to be or allowing to be corrected. And it's one thing when you're talking about riding your bike on a hill, but it's a whole different thing when you're talking about salvation. Whole different thing. Hallelujah. So I'm going to get into my message tonight. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Thank you again, everyone, for being here this evening. Appreciate each and every one of you. Love you all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Very familiar story here. It says, And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first thing of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not also be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Hallelujah. Again, I just want to talk to you about the perception of correction. Let's all pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Asking you, God, that you'd have your way in this service tonight. God, bind us together. Help us tonight, Lord. God, help me to step out of the way that you could have your way. Speak through me, God. Minister to your people, Lord. Bind us together. God, we're asking you once again, Lord, help us to be equipped to be effective for you in this hour. We give you the praise. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. In Genesis here that I read to you, a very familiar story that, about Cain and Abel. and We know what the outcome was about this story, but I, I wanted to bring your attention to this particular passage because I felt like it really had a lot to do with what I was feeling in the Holy Ghost when it comes to people and when you're trying to deal with them when it comes to spiritual matters. And the fact that there was Cain, he was a tiller of the ground, and Abel, his brother, was a keeper of the sheep. There came a time, it says, where it was offering time. It was worship time. And then we read in there about how that Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted, but Abel's was. And Cain's reaction is what intrigued me about this whole scenario. In the fact that 
He brought the wrong sacrifice. But God in his mercy talked to him and let him know, Cain, why, why are you sad, son? If you, if you would just do right, if you would bring the right sacrifice, I'll accept that. It's not, but no, Cain had this perception that, well, God, if it's not good enough, then that's just the way it is. You see, his perception of the correction didn't allow the correction to take place in his life. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. End of story. Hebrews 11 and 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying as his gifts, and by it being dead, yet he speaketh. We know that there had to be a shedding of blood. And here Cain brings the, the, the field produce as a sacrifice. Now, I don't believe Cain just brought any of the vegetables or whatever he had to bring. I, I believe he did bring the best of what he had. I really do. But you see, his best intentions were still wrong. They were still wrong. You see, I wonder sometimes if Cain says, you know what, I'm a farmer. I've always been a farmer and I'll always be a farmer. That's just going to have to be the way it is. This is my sacrifice. Kind of reminds me a lot of times when I've talked to some individuals and you're trying to share truth with them and they say, my grandma was a Baptist, my mom was a Baptist, and I'm a Baptist. That's just the way it's going to be. Never mind the fact that you're just trying to help bring truth into the perspective and, and bring in a little correction. They're allowing their traditions and their upbringing to hinder them being able to see it. See, I've been a farmer all my life. I'll always be a farmer. So you're just going to have to deal with it. No. God's the one that says what goes. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy 3.16 it says this. All. All scripture. All. All scripture. All. All scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How much scripture? All scripture. So you would think that that would be pretty self-explanatory, wouldn't you? But unfortunately, in the day that we're living in, it's not. But according to what I just read there in 2 Timothy, it says, if I'm going to live my life in an acceptable way, then I've got to obey the Scripture. I've got to obey all. All. All the Scripture. The definition of sin literally means to miss the mark. 
miss the mark. Just as the Apollo mission was coming back from the moon, heading back to earth, on the side of that rocket was many rockets around the outside perimeter of this spaceship. And as that unit was making its way back to earth, those little rockets would fire whenever it would start to veer off course. And it would make correction to keep it on course. I'm talking about the perception of correction. You see, we have got to be we've got to allow the word of God to correct us, not only in the church, but amongst one another one another. Proverbs 6 and 20 through 23 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and a light, and a law is a light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 15 and 9 says, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that follow after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way and he that hateth reproof shall die. He that hateth reproof shall die. Proverbs 15, 31 through 33 says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. When it comes to making heaven, we know we've got one chance and one chance only to make it. So we've got to know how to get to heaven. Hallelujah. So I want to take us on a little trip here right now to discover, and I know you know, but just to remind you what it takes to make it to heaven. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Talking about the perception of correction when it comes to salvation. Ephesians chapter 4 says, There's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. So according to Ephesians chapter 4, how many ways are there to be saved? One. One way, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So it would behoove me as an individual to find that one way. And I'm not going to find it at Grandma's. I'm not going to find that at Uncle Joe's. I'm going to find that in this book. Judges 1 and 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. The faith. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another gospel, 
but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's stop right there and let's chew on that a minute. Here in Galatians, you brought this out in the Bible study last Wednesday night, talking about how soon, I mean, this wasn't very far removed from the church starting. And here we are, Galatians, the book of Galatians is considered what type of a book? It's an epistle. What's an epistle? A letter to where? To where? To the church. What's the book of Acts? History of what? History of the church. And what's the first four books of the New Testament? What are they considered? Gospels. So here we're at in Galatians, which is an epistle written to the church. And he's saying, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you unto grace of Christ. Unto what? Another gospel. How did that happen? Was there times whenever they maybe met at somebody's house for a Bible study and they had been talking to a family member that didn't quite believe that way and they kind of started putting a little doubt in their mind about it? I don't know really what happened, Brother Hilton. All I know is that he's, t he's addressing an issue here that these folks have gotten off track. You're, 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 you're going after another gospel. And it's not a gospel. Because there's only one. I'm talking about the perception of correction. You've got to stay on that path of truth. Above everything else. And I'm saying we live in a society where you can't even tell people what gender they are anymore. I don't know if you've ran across anybody that you say, excuse me, sir, don't call me, sir. And then they start on this tirade. I'm a them. How many of you is in there? <laughs> oh, my word. You young people... You, bet, you best get your nose in that book. You better get your nose in that book because those spirits are out there enticing you to believe a lie. I'm telling you, you're walking amongst some people out there that are carrying some things along with them that want to get on you and start indoctrinating you to another gospel, so to speak. Like gender identity. Help us, Jesus. And can I just say this? I mean, I, like Pastor says, I'm not PC. But a, a man's still a man, and a woman's still a woman. And end of story. My, my, my. I was talking to a co-worker of mine, Jesse. The other day, or yesterday, tell him he went into Target and his girl had to go to the restroom. And Target has 
open restroom. So Jesse says she goes in there and he's standing by the door and he says, lo and behold, up walks a them. <laughs> and he's approaching the bathroom. It's a him, but it's a them. I don't know. But anyway, this thing was running, going to the bathroom. Okay? And Jesse seen him heading to the bathroom. And Jesse says, you can wait five, ten minutes right here. You can't do that. I'll, I'll talk to the management. He said, go get them. You're not going in there. Till my daughter comes out, you're not going in there. He says, once she comes out, you can go do whatever you need to do. But as long as she's in there, you're not going in there. This is what I'm talking about. You young people have got to grip a hold of this thing for yourself. You've got to allow the correction to occur in your life. I've got to let it occur in my life. Because if I don't, pretty soon I'm going to be believing some junk. Just like Cain did. Made sense to him to bring the fruit or the, the, the vegetables. But even when God spoke to him, brother, and said, if you just do right, Everything's going to be all right. But if you do wrong, what lies at the door? Sin. You're missing the mark, Cain. So often we come to church and we go through the motions and we sit down on the pew and we, we look at our watches. Magic hour. Where are we going to go eat? What are we going to do? Meanwhile, we rub shoulders with people every single day that are being, come here, man, come here, help me out, brother, being, being yanked around, come over here, no, you come over here, they're being yanked around, they wake up in the morning, thank you, you can be seated, they wake up in the morning, now they don't know who, who's who anymore. They don't know whether or not mom and dad's going to be able to put gasoline in the tank because now it's almost $5 a gallon. I'm talking about kids. I'm talking about young people. Worried because mom and dad are sitting around the table. If there is a dad, if there is a mom, a lot of times it's grandma. And she's looking at her Social Security pension and she's, she's trying to figure it out. How in the world are we going to make ends meet? Looking at her grocery bill going, I can't keep this up. They need what we have. They get up and they go to a denominal church, sitting on pews, telling them that all you got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Walking out the doors, that breaks my heart. It disturbs me. To say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved? What? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, man. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
I'm going to fast forward through this. Let's pray a minute, church. God, we need you. We need you, God. We need you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, help us. Help us, God. Help us. Help us to have a boldness in this hour. To stand up and proclaim this truth, God. Oh, God. Help our young people. Help our children. Help help them to get a hold of this and get inspired, God. Get set on fire for your kingdom, God. Oh, God. We're not playing games. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Their house is on fire. If you drove by where they lived and it was on fire, would you sit in your car and go, I really don't want to go bother them. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you'd be getting out of your car going, hey! Get out, man, your house is on fire! They don't know. They need correction in their direction. Well, you know, I I just want to be a friend to them. The best friend you could be is look them square in the eye and say, can I talk to you for a minute and share this truth with you? You see, the direction that I was in for 26 years of my life was the wrong direction. Thank God somebody came up and Changed that and gave me a different direction, the correct direction. Thank God. All you young people got a Bible? Open it up to John chapter 3. Are you a young person? Got a Bible? You can use that one. Who's in John chapter 3? Which Larson are you? Sarah. I ain't got it right. Read me John 3.16. Can we all agree that that's probably pretty much the main scripture 
that a lot of denominal people use. John chapter 3, verse 16. But you know, it, 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 it amazes me that they, they skip over that word should not perish, but have everlasting life. And they stop right there, but let's go up to John chapter 3, verse 1. This is before John 3.16. We're going to get the context of what exactly happened, see. Talking about the perception of correction. We're having a little correction here tonight. John chapter 3 verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This cat was in church. Yes, he was. He was in church. And here he's coming to Jesus by night. Why do you think he was coming to him at night? Because he didn't want anybody else to see him. And he came, no doubt, with a question. We'll just read a little on further. It says, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Can I give a little J-O-N 316 in on this? A little interjection right here. I don't believe that that was Nicodemus' question. Because of Jesus' response. You see, because I've been where Nicodemus is at in this story. I've been where I've questioned what I was believing, but I really didn't know how to believe. See, I needed that correction, Brother Jerry, but I didn't know where to go to get it. And so here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night, saying, hey, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. I mean, you're doing some miracles. God's got to be with you. What's Jesus say? Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot. Everybody say cannot. He cannot. Everybody say cannot. cannot. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4 kind of stirs up Nicodemus a little bit. And he says unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time when his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. John three sixteen. He gave his life so that we could be born again. He gave his life. That we could be born again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, how beautiful, Brother, Brother Mike and I were talking about this on the way to church tonight, about just how beautiful God's plan of salvation is in the fact that you have to be born again. 
Because when you're born again, all things, we know the word says, become new. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away, sis. Behold, all things have become new. But you've got to be born again of water and spirit. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all lift our hands. Let's talk to him for a minute. God, we love you. We thank you for your truth, Lord. We thank you for your truth here tonight, God. God, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to help us. God, to allow your word, your word, God, to correct us, God, to reprove us, to guide us, to direct us, God. Lord, if I, if I ever veer to the left, God, I pray, let your word, let your word get me back on track, God. Help me tonight, Lord, to lay aside all of my own agendas and my own ideas, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us. Help us, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. While they're getting ready to play, you can go ahead and play if you're ready. I want to share one last story with you. And it had to do with when I was in a Bible study in, in Anthony. I've told the young people this in Sunday school class, but I had nine Bible studies before I finally allowed the correction to happen in my life. But I can remember it was the Bible study that had to do with the tabernacle plan that sealed it for me, Brother Hilton. You see, the week before Bible study, when it finished, my Bible study teacher said, now next week we're going to start talking about the tabernacle plan. I never had heard of the tabernacle plan. Never there would even be one. And so I'm leaving his house going, uh-huh, I knew you was a cult. Sure did. I knew you was wacky. So next week I'm going to fix to find out, and that's going to be my ticket out of here. didn't realize that that tabernacle plan was a shadow of New Testament salvation. I didn't realize it. And he began to teach that Bible study. He, he get, began to bring in out the fact that there was only one gate that you could enter in and, and talked about the first thing you came to was the altar. And I'm sitting there in that seat, man, and that guy's teaching me and I'm getting a big old lump in my throat and tears are coming to my eyes and I'm going, don't lose it, John. Don't you lose it. Don't you let him know. 
we finished that Bible study, I walked out of there going, I know what I need to do. I feel like I've made a mess out of this tonight, but I just... It bothers me to walk the street or drive my truck and look over in the car next to me knowing that that person over there doesn't know truth more than likely. To go to the office and walk in the door and look at my coworkers and know that eyes closed ESJS if you have family member co-workers friend and acquaintance can you get them on your mind right now and as you get them on your mind, would you lift your hand to God tonight and say, God, open the door. Use me to help correct their direction. EFK chance. <laughs> to see their lives change. Imamunderia <laughs> kutore. Put the words, put the words in my mouth, God. Yeah. That's it, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, young people. That's it, youth. That's it, youth. Let the tears go on their behalf.